Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket now. We're joined now by Andy Bailey. Covers Utah Jazz and NBA for Forbes.com and Bleacher Report. Andy, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? We're good. There are many questions involving the Jazz, but I think the first one to get out of the way is, are they really this good? Forget October and November and that first week in December. What they've done since mid-December on, is that the real Jazz? Is it going to continue? So I think... Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. I, I think the concerns about the schedule softening up before they went on this run are probably fair. Um, you know, they've beaten up, beaten up on a lot of sub-500 teams. Uh, their record against 500-plus teams is still below uh, 500. But I, I do think they're clearly a better team than what we saw at the start of the season. Um, th- this is more like what I expected uh, coming into the year. It'll be interesting to see how they go through another little development phase that I think is coming. The, the schedule is going to get harder and Mike Conley is back, so maybe there's an adjustment period. How do we reintegrate him into what we've been doing uh, over the last couple of months? But the way the ball is moving, um, the way Joe Ingles has played recently, uh, just the, the the offense being better generally, is it just looks a lot more like what I expected. So they're probably, in terms of like where they're going to end up in the West, um, I think this is about where they should be. There, there, there was always going to be a huge mix of good teams in the middle of the Western Conference, and, and they were always going to be a part of it. So you touched on a couple of the reasons. If you had to narrow down one, is it Joe in the starting lineup and then the ball moving, or is it something else? I think Joe in the starting lineup is huge. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think there's a lot of reason for – sports journalist to question Quinn Snyder. I, you know, he's clearly one of the better coaches in the NBA. Um, just thinks of, thinks about the game on a very complex level. But when I heard that it was going to be Royce O'Neal um, starting in place of Ingles at the start of the season, I was a little bit confused. Um, I, I understood the logic behind it. You want Ingles on the bench unit to kind of, you know, pilot those reserves. Um, but expecting him to carry a backup, a group of backup guys. It just didn't really seem like his thing. He's always been more of a low usage playoff of stars type of a player. And the dip, his, his splits between when he's a reserve and when he's a starter, the, the difference is staggering. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they approach that issue going forward because they have, they have six NBA starters. Um, that's that's just the fact at this point. It's hard to demote Royce O'Neal because he's been phenomenal as a starter too. Um, bringing Mike Conley off the bench is is weird for obvious reasons. He makes a ton of money. He's, he's the highest paid player on the team. He's a 12 year veteran. They just traded three players and picks to get him. Um, so it's going to be a hard thing to navigate. I think the easy out is probably bringing O'Neal off the bench. Um, and just having a ton of playmaking out there with Ingles, Mitchell, Conley, Bogdanovich. Um, but I guess I've kind of rambled away from your original question. I do think Joe Ingles is a huge part of it. And I think just getting used to each other. Um, there, there's a lot more turnover on the Jazz roster-wise than I think a lot of people realize. Um, Ingles on Zach Lowe's podcast recently said something like he and Gobert, I, I think, are the only two left from when he yeah, first started on the Jazz. It was so excellent. It, it just, it just took some time to get used to it. 
Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I think that with the Conley thing, if I were in charge, and I'm sure there's millions of people who are happy that I'm not, but if I were, <laughs> if I were, I think I'd slow play Conley back to the starting lineup. My goal would be to put him back in the starting lineup and to, and to sit Royce O'Neal. But I think I wouldn't do it. I would slow play it until I saw the team hit a rough patch. And I would use that change maybe to jumpstart things. Maybe it would you know, legitimately be an upgrade that would make it easier to win. Maybe just the psychology of it would be a positive. But I don't think I'd make the move while they're just on this hot streak just tearing off wins. I don't think I'd mess with that chemistry. And I think Mike is plenty savvy enough to figure out what's going on without even being told. Although as a coach, I would probably sit down and tell him anyway, but I think he'd know the words that were coming out of my mouth before they were coming out of my mouth. Would you handle it like that? I, I think that's a very convincing case you just laid out there. That makes a ton of sense to me. Um, and I kind of, when, when it became clear that they were going to bring him off the bench for that first game that he came back, I kind of thought it would be interesting to see how long they do this. Um, and I, I think the reasons even though you're not in charge of the Jazz, I, I think there could be a lot of what you just said actually happening um, behind the scenes. I don't think they want to break up what's been going on. They're they're clearly playing extremely well right now. And then the the, the obvious difference between Mike Conley and Joe Ingles, um, Mike Conley has led groups of, you know, four, three or four guys that aren't quite on his level um, he he was the lone star in Memphis right after Mark Gasol left. Obviously, he's he's had the experience of carrying. Um, I don't want to say subpar lineups, but but maybe lineups where he just had to do a lot of heavy lifting. And so I don't think that'll be that'll feel foreign to him. I mean, coming off the bench is kind of a foreign concept for Mike Conley, but but kind of lifting the offensive load is not. And so I think if they slow play it and they continue to kind of do what they've been doing, I, I think he'll be very comfortable there. And then one, one thing I haven't thought of that you just brought up, I think is really smart is maybe you wait until they hit a bump in the road or a hiccup or whatever we want to call it. Then you plug him back in there, get some juice in the lineup, get some juice back in the fans. Um, I, I think that's a really smart way to approach this. So you speak of this is probably where they're supposed to be, and that's pretty good, but everybody wants more. We want the ultimate prize. How much do you think or how far do you think that is away in terms of the ultimate prize, assuming that you think that the Lakers and Clippers are better? I think they could win the title this season, um, if I'm being honest. This is this, The season generally is playing out about how I expected coming in. I thought there's probably seven or eight teams you could make a reasonable argument, could win it all, and I still think that's the case. Um, the Lakers and the Clippers may be ahead of them in the standings right now, but I, I don't mind those matchups in the playoffs. I think Utah is very well equipped to take on anyone in the playoffs. They have the best defensive player, um, not just in the NBA right now, but I, he's to me, Rudy Gobert is entering all-time great defensive level. Um, and, and this comparison has been made a few times. I've, I've done it myself. Uh, but the Detroit Pistons won a title built around a defensive anchor in Ben Wallace. And I think Rudy Gobert is a bigger and much, much, much better offensively, um, much better offensive version of Ben Wallace. And they've surrounded him with just the perfect complementary pieces. Um, the shooting surrounding him when you've got Mitchell and Bogdanovich and Ingles out there, uh, even Royce O'Neal, obviously, he's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. The, what, what he does is a rim roller. Um, you know, everybody says you need, you need a couple stars to win a title, and I think Utah's already there. Uh, Rudy Gobert, to me, is a top-ten impact guy, regardless of what 
other you know fan bases and writers around the league will say he's clearly there. And I think Donovan Mitchell's probably top 20 to top 25. So I think they've got the two-star model already checked off, whether people realize it or not. And I think, you know, I'm not saying they will win the title this season, certainly. There's just there's so many good teams in the NBA right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I think they're very much in that group of teams. So one thing the, uh, the Jazz have going for them is the bench, which I think we know the bench was bad early. I think the bench early in the season had the problem that the whole team had last year. They couldn't make shots. They couldn't spread the floor. I think Joe's bad start was that when Joe drove into the paint, there were three or four bodies there and he couldn't score. He couldn't hit threes because they never left him because they didn't respect the other guys. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get any assists because when he threw it to other guys, he missed the shots. And I think... There's a little bit of that with Conley. Plus, I also think that Conley was learning the new system, and he was putting pressure on himself. And I think him sitting out, he figures all that out. But I think missed in all of this, the bench has been outrageously good. And I, if they continue that, how important do you think that'll be in the playoffs? Because benches get shortened in the playoffs usually. Stars play more. You don't have back-to-backs very often, if at all. And longer TV timeouts, guys can play bigger minutes. You know, Le- LeBron and Kawhi just aren't coming off the floor that that long for the, you know for that that much time. So this bench is an awesome advantage right now, just as it was a huge detriment early in the year. But is it going to be minimized in the playoffs? Yeah, I think teams that are built on depth generally do a little bit better in the regular season than the playoffs, and that's been kind of Utah's M.O. for a few years. They've always been one of the deeper teams in the league, so it's kind of weird to see the bench um, struggling the way it did at the start of the season. Uh, But as I mentioned earlier, uh, Utah's got six starters, and so if they shorten their rotation to seven or eight guys in the playoffs, again, I still think they're going to be really, really good. Um, If your bench is suddenly just Clarkson, George Niang, Royce O'Neal, I, I think you can survive. One concern, obviously, I think would be backup five, but you only need you know, 10, 12 minutes of that. Uh, and, and if you don't just completely fall off a cliff while Tony Bradley's out there or whoever it may be, I think you'll be okay. Um, the other thing about the way this team is built that kind of bore out throughout the season, even when they were playing rough, is the starting five is really good. Um, when Mike Conley went down, I can't remember the exact numbers now, and I won't be able to look them up, but I think Utah's starting five, the one with Conley uh, and O'Neal, was number two in plus-minus, just total plus-minus over the course of the season. So it was very obvious that it was the bench that was causing the problem. And obviously your starting five is going to be really, really important when the playoffs starts. And so I think the bench uh, sort of rebounding has been huge, and I think it's a big part of this turnaround, but the strength of this team is always going to be at the top. Um, again, I, I think they have a legit two stars. I think Boyan Bogdanovich is—he's he, just been phenomenal this season. I would—I I might even call him a star the way that he's played this season. So there's a ton of talent on this team. It's interesting that it just took a couple of little, you know, quirks or tweaks to get the bench back on track. I was real surprised by the Jeff Green release, but it's—it's it's made a big difference. And the Dante Exum trade has really helped. Obviously, Clarkson's been a nice spark. Um, they didn't have to do anything drastic. They just made these little moves on the fringes and, and really uh, beefed up the team for sure. So Houston slump for real or just that, a slump? I would probably say just a slump. I, I still would have them in the group of teams that I could see winning it all. But, th- this again, this is another thing that's kind of playing out the way a lot of people expected. Um, 
one of the huge advantages of having Chris Paul on that team for Houston was that you, you couldn't double team James Harden the way teams are now uh, because that guy can actually shoot. I mean, the degree to which defenses have ignored Westbrook this season has been kind of alarming, and he's on a nice little you know run himself recently. So maybe maybe he's going to force teams to rethink that strategy a little bit. But James Harden looks worn down. Um, the the clash in terms of you know these are these are two guys that both need the ball a ton. I think that's coming to fruition a little bit, um, and it's just it's kind of hard to as a player I think find you know rhythm and chemistry when you just have to sit around and watch those other two guys do their thing and and you might catch the ball in the corner and have to fling it up for a three with you know five seconds left on the shot clock it's just a lot easier when the ball's zipping around um everybody touches it everybody gets a chance to shoot kind of how the 2014 spurs played or or some of those warriors teams or how the jazz have played under quinn snyder i think that just kind of lifts everybody um but (laughs) having said all that they still have a guy who's just unreal offensively the fact that he can put up the numbers he does with the attention that he does and James Harden is just ridiculous um that he's wearing down a little bit already probably doesn't bode well for the playoffs but I I think I would still have him in that group maybe maybe on the bubble but they're they they at least have one foot in there Jazz are going to host the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday, and the Mavericks have a weird home-road split. They are much better on the road than they are at home. They're only a couple games over 500 at home. That's how most teams, most good teams are on the road. In the 14 of their first 19 road games, they win. Nobody wins at that clip, especially when your home clip is what it is. Any explanation for why they're flip-flopped? No, that is bizarre, um, and I honestly didn't even know that. And, and traditionally, I think Dallas is one of those teams that has a real strong uh, home record, even in the the down years that they've had recently before Doncic showed up. It always seemed like they were going to be competitive at home, so that's kind of a weird thing to, to put a finger on and try to figure out what's going on. Um, I think that's a game that Utah should probably be okay in. Um, obviously, that it's just awful news what happened to Dwight Powell last night. He's he's been a really important part of their team, and it looks like he just tore his Achilles. Um, when he and Doncic are on the floor together, I, I looked this up in the wake of that injury, but their point differential per hundred possessions was in like the 98th percentile when those two played. He was just such a nice compliment to Doncic, a great rim roller. He's even added a little bit of range this season. So I think that hurts them. It'll be really interesting to see how they use Porzingis now. Um, you know, I've always thought he would be best at the five uh, as sort of a playmaking stretch five, and, and it'll be interesting to see if they use him that way now. A, a staple of Rick Carlisle's offense over the years has been rim runners. Um, you know, Tyson Chandler was the guy when they won the title. Uh, Brandon Wright randomly had a couple amazing years there just because he was running that that Mavericks offense and then it's been Dwight Powell here lately so it's it's obviously just terrible uh for Dallas and for Dwight Powell but Utah gets them um at home without him I I think that's a game that they should probably take care of well Andy we appreciate a few minutes thanks for joining us and we will uh talk to you again later in the season awesome thanks for having me guys Andy Bailey you can read his work Forbes.com and Bleacher Report all right, DJ and PK coming up. Everything you missed in this show will get you all caught up to speed. College hoops, the NBA, the jazz, 
football coaching hire, all of it. Next, stay with us. Now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz tied for third in the West with the Denver Nuggets. are on the road in San Francisco tonight. Take on the Golden State Warriors, 8 o'clock on AT&T Sportsnet. Pre-game starts at 7 o'clock here on The Zone Sports Network. Jazz now a half game behind the Clippers. They pick up a win in Dallas, 110-107. Kawhi Leonard and Luka Doncic both score 36 points in the game. Zion Williamson expected to make his regular season debut for the Pelicans against the Spurs, 7.30 tonight on ESPN. The other big game in the West, the Nuggets and the Rockets at 6 o'clock. Utah State blown out Air Force 72-47. University of Hawaii announces the former Arizona State coach Todd Graham will be the Rainbow Warriors' new head coach. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Homie. Buying or selling a home. Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. In Derek Jeter's considerable shadow, but in the Hall of Fame nonetheless. Good for Larry Walker. He's in. But Derek Jeter, he went Dan and Shea. I'm speechless. (laughs) Come on, you're speechless. You've known for 10 years that you were going. We all would have wagered on it, but it wasn't on the board. You got to wait five. So you had to figure five years before he retired, pretty much knew he was a lock. He's got all the career stats. He's with an organization where he did a lot of winning. He played well in the bright lights, the big stage. It was a He's gimme. He's the coolest player of all time. It's a gimme. He's, there's no player cooler than Derek Jeter. There are people from before I was alive that I heard were very cool. Joe DiMaggio. He's not cooler than... Joe had scan. He's married to Marilyn Monroe for nine months. That's not cool. Come on. Who wants that? DJ handout, or, uh, yeah, DJ. He handed out gift baskets. Now go on your way. (laughs) (laughs) He was grateful. And he made the single greatest play I've ever seen in sports history. Against the A's? Mm -hmm. Running all the way over to the first baseline from shortstop. Yeah. A play you would never practice. And then flicking it so quickly. On target. Backhanded. Back, bang, bang play. Not even forward. A backhanded flip. Right on the money. One that Joe Montana and Tom Brady would be jealous of. Put it right on the money to... uh, Shocking. Posado. And got uh, Jambi's little brother out in midair. It was the coolest single play I've ever seen in sports. Kurt Schilling... Getting so close. 70% of the vote. Looks like he's poised to make it. Next year, I mean, there's always nice players up, but it doesn't look like there's a megastar like Jeter up next year. So that could help Shilly. But what about Bonds? What about Clemens? It's 60%. Two years to go. They could make it. They could miss. Seems like a 50-50 call at this point. Interesting will, will that another, Murphy another, another year pass. Yeah. yeah. I think they'll go closer. 
I don't know if they'll get in, but they, I think they'll go closer. They need another fifty to sixty votes. I, I don't there. see. I don't see how if you voted for them now, how you wouldn't vote for them next year. Right. I mean, nothing has changed. Uh, unless you come out and hold a press conference and again deny it. But those guys, we don't hear from them anymore. Uh, but interesting, Dale Murphy, we had him on an hour ago, and he's a former player, obviously, at a high, high level. And he's talking about how he thinks that he still has a problem with it, with them getting in. Because there's never been any form of apology or acknowledgement. And they often say the cover-up to the crime is, is worse than the crime. Yeah. Politics, then you sports, start ins- you start insulting us beyond. But that's what Dale Murphy said. He started talking to us like we're dumb. Yeah. And I, I thought he was spot on when he said that. I don't hold these that against. Now, the fact that they have been insistent upon it. So I think that's why Mark McGuire gets a pass. He didn't really come out, but he basically did. He did. And then you have guys like um, Pettit and said, yeah. Pettit definitely just came out and said it. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. I'm I'm okay with that. I think the thing that Bonds and Clemens have going for them is that I think it's largely recognized that they had Hall of Fame careers before they started using. I think to a large degree that's held against them. You think? Yeah. You didn't have to do it and right. you did anyway? Right. I mean, Cesar Geronimo was a 200 hitter. I thought Clemens did it because his career was basically over. And I thought, and it extended his career. But he didn't and, have to do it. No. And Bonds, I thought, did it because he was the best. And then when everyone else started using it and then all the hype went to other guys, he's like, we all know what's going on. Nobody's calling him on it. All right, I'll do it too because I'm better than these clowns. didn't have to do it. No, he didn't. In terms of individual accomplishment and actually has tainted their accomplishments for no reason at all. Not even worth learning Bonds' home run number. Couldn't tell you what it is. Seven, sixty, or seventy, or something. Well, we know Aaron know. had seven fifty-five, and he got and, past that. But uh, he didn't get. Babe very, had seven fourteen, right. but he didn't get very far past it. And he holds a single season, right? Seventy, seventy-three, three. Yeah, I remember watching when he hit the uh, home run to pass Hammer and Hank. Place went nuts. San Francisco went nuts. They loved him. He's a lovable dude. I got family who are giant season ticket holders. They didn't want to hear any of it. The rest of the country's like, duh, he's doing it. And they're like, eh, don't want to hear it. Why not? Fans, put him on a pedestal. Want to keep him there. Okay, but. Haven't talked to him about it recently. Don't know if the passing of time they've mellowed on that topic or not. Didn't want to hear it. It, it was what it was. The rare past tense. Instead of it is what it is. <laughs> it was what it was. Yes. Do you have the future tense? It will be what it will be. Uh, the Jazz I, in the playoffs. It will be what it will be. Baber, Rexa, and uh, the Florida Georgia line do. If it's meant to be, it'll, it'll be. be. So that's that's future tense. Jazz are playing the Warriors tonight. Warriors are sitting there at 10 and 35, losers of 11 of their last 12. Well, I pray 10 and 36. <laughs> Absolutely. Which for the Jazz would be 18 and 2 in their last 20. You were talking about you take 9 out of 10 every time. Didn't really expect it to happen two times in a row. And yet here we are, barring a massive upset. Now, will they get 9 out of 10 a third time? It's interesting because the Jazz have done this now a couple of times in the last two, three years. Because I think at this point two years ago, they were under 500. They were like nine games under 500 last two years ago, remember? Then turned on the Jets? Yeah. 
And so they've done it earlier. And that year, that was the year they beat the Thunder in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really got it going on. Uh, I think that well, what, Rubio brilliant. hit a shot in Detroit and they were off and running. And last year wasn't as dramatic. They didn't need it to be as dramatic. And this year uh, is close to as dramatic. And it's just come earlier. But the team is better. I think two years ago was a stunner. This year... They went 29-6 and six at the end two years ago. That's amazing. This year, they are basically living up to what a lot of folk believed. Because a lot of folk had them second. Second, third, fourth. Yeah, and with not much difference between second, third, and even fourth. Right. Which I don't think there will be when the final analysis, when we get there, down to it. There isn't right now. There's a, a couple game. of games. No, it's only because the Clippers have played one more. The, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Jazz all have 13 losses. But I also agree with Andy Bailey, who we just had on, saying that none of these teams scare me. I think they're all beatable. Doesn't mean you're going to win, but I don't have any, wow, they've got no chance type of mentality. I also don't have my feet up thinking this is going to be a breeze. Not even the first round. When Andy was on, he said, hey, Donovan's a top 25 player now. I think he's higher than that, but yeah. I think he needs to be if you're going to win in the playoffs. I see no reason why he wouldn't be. But I did think when he said top 25, that was on the low end. Yeah, is he I'd top? have to write it out. I would too, but just like gut instinct off the top, I would say top 10 or 15. I would agree, but I'd have to write it out, and then and maybe we can do that in a day because we'll have a whole bunch of time. We'll have a couple days here after the Warrior game. There's no game until Saturday, and I don't know. I think ideally Jazz fans listening to this are thinking, well, you guys aren't going to have anything to break down with the Warrior game because they're going to work those guys, right? Right. Yeah. Which is what they've been doing in this streak. They've won 12 of the last 13, and nine of those 12 have been by double digits. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if you work them or whatever, as long as you Right, but if it's a close game, there might be more intriguing stuff to talk about. Why was this so close? I wouldn't mind that. See how it plays out. Although, at the same time, I wouldn't mind it a blowout, so I'd go to bed earlier. (laughs) A 20-point win. They got that thing locked up early in the third quarter. Uh, Yeah, and... The good news is it's an 8 o'clock tip, not 8.30. The extra half hour. Critical! It is for us. Right. <laughs> uh, for sure, yeah. Halftime will hit about 9. You're still up 9.30, 9.45, yeah, 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 early third quarter. If they I'm blow fine. it out then, you weren't going to bed at 9.30 anyway. Uh, no, unless I'm sick. I don't go to right. bed at 9.30. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I understand. Or if there's It's when you get that 8.30 day. game that gets held till 8.45, and then it because, finishes uh, at 10 it, after 11. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. when it starts to get too much. Right. Come and on, guys. Then I'm, cr- and I'm already on a good day. I'm cranky. Can be crankier than normal. That just gets out of hand. But I think that this. I think we have to start recognizing that they have two stars because they do. Yes, and I think the other thing that Andy said is they have six starters. And and in the playoffs, you don't trust Royce that much. You don't trust Mike that much because I think you trust the other four. So when I say six, and you go, it's got to be one of those two guys. Yeah, but I mean, how many teams can be in that boat? I mean, you, you better have. I don't think that, that that is that special. Right. Lou Williams doesn't start for the Clippers. But they don't have six starters then? But the Jazz haven't been in this spot before. I think people recognize the Clippers, when they got Kawhi, are a legitimate NBA title contender. 
And totally legit. No excuses. When the Jazz have Mitchell and Gobert, that's what I'm saying. You're right. buying that's into what, your own no, theory. No, no, yes, no. you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. No, you're missing a point. <laughs> when you get the six starters. You're making a wrong point. Then you are what the Clippers are. Yeah, but this is not brand new news. It, well, it is in the sense that they haven't had Conley full strength playing well. Six stars, six starters are nice, but you've beat into the ground, rightly so, that it's the stars at the top, not mm-hmm. at the starters at the bottom. My point is they've got the two stars at the top. So I don't care if you have four starters. If you got the two stars at the top, that matters more than how deep you are. Yes. Agreed. And they've got them. And I still want the depth. But the other matters more. Yeah, and I want to eat cake and not gain weight. Right. I mean, we all want it all. But if you're going to take down, I mean, the path that Andy Bailey brought up, the, the opportunity for them to win a title this year, and that path right now looks like it includes beating probably the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks in consecutive series. I don't worry about the final. I mean, you have no idea if the Bucks are going to get there. Yep. I worry about the conference because the conference is far more legitimate. I agree with you completely on those two. Yes, that is most likely the scenario as we sit here this morning. I agree with that. But there is a weird scenario where the Clippers why does that make it so rest, tough? Where the Clippers rest guys and rest their way right into the four seed, and you don't play the Clippers. Okay, but why aren't the Clippers saying we're going to have to beat the Jazz and the Lakers to get to the finals? Well, first off. Nobody in L.A. takes anybody else seriously. The Clippers? They're just staring at each other. Harry the Clipper fan or whatever his name is? (laughs) He's running around with his chest puffed out. What's his name? It's not Harry. What is it? Is it Dwayne? What's that guy's name? I don't know. Clipper Daryl. Clipper Daryl. I know it was a D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Thanks. Good old Clipper Daryl. Why wouldn't they be? That's where I disagree with you completely. Why wouldn't they be saying... We have to play the Jazz and the Lakers. Why wouldn't the Nuggets be saying every every team should be saying the same thing? The teams that are in the mix. I mean, I don't, I, the Spurs shouldn't be saying it. I get that. Right. But the teams that are in the mix should be saying, my gosh, we're going to have to play the Jazz. Why is it only you saying it? It's not only me saying it, I don't think. Well, First you off, being the community. Okay, I think if we talk to Nugget fans... I think they are saying it. And I'm going on gut instinct because I haven't interviewed a thousand Nugget fans to make sure. But in L.A., I think they just got the West by the tail and the Clippers and Lakers looking at each other and don't really worry about anybody uh, else. I disagree. Clipper fans, and no, you've, you've accomplished nothing. I can tell you the Clipper curse, and so someone's <laughs> waiting to be hurt. Did the Clipper curse go away with the owner? <laughs> Well, they haven't won anything. They've not. But Kawhi just got there. And he's a hell of a player. There's no doubt about it. But so is Mitchell and so is Gobert. And the other guys and Bogdanovich and Ingles and so forth and so on, they're not too bad either. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. That's what we've been talking about all morning long. When we come back, your feedback. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. 
This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. I don't think that there's a time since maybe 97, 98 where I look at a team and say a championship is within reach. And I know we want to be really careful about talking about that. And I get that. But I think it's time we start allowing that to be part of the conversation because sometimes when we address this team, we talk about this is a team that could make it to the Western Conference Finals. Well, I think it's okay to talk about making it to the NBA Finals. I don't think we need to be scared about talking about that. And I'm not saying that, you know, if they don't make it to the NBA Finals, it's a disappointment. But I think it's also okay to say, you know what, this is a team capable of doing that. Would I pick the Jazz to beat the Lakers in a seven-game series? I don't know. But the fact that I don't know right now means that the Jazz have a pretty good chance. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, you said Steph Curry you don't think has recovered yet from his injury. His injury is a four to six week recovery at the most, especially on his left hand, non-shooting hand. He's just fine. There it is. So they're already sandbagging it then. He's just fine. It's according to Jaden. Topic earlier this morning are the Warriors uh are the Warriors just folding but up and mailing it in. Somehow this seems more reasonable to me. What does? If they're ta- if they've decided we suck, let's get the best pick, get you guys healthy, come back next year. Somehow this set of circumstances seems more legitimate. Then we're just going to suck on purpose. What right the Sixers the did, yeah, from seem like a decade. And even then, you know, they hit on a couple of guys, but they missed on a bunch of guys too. The Sixers did, yeah, absolutely. And there's yeah. no guarantee that the Warriors will hit with this pick. And they had multiples. And, and I also think that you know Thompson and Curry are getting older now. So even if they do get a good player, how quickly will they be really good? That's what I'm saying. Right. On Even if you're draft. really good by year five, well, what's Curry going to be five years? Well, I mean, if they Done. hit, it could be somebody sooner. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Suns. This is going to be their 10th year of not making the playoffs, and they've had a bunch of draft picks. It reminds me of the Clippers when I worked down there that it was just a bunch of high draft picks that didn't amount to anything. So you just spun your wheels. You went nowhere. You got nothing. You got the picks. So from the middle of May, when they announced the draft lottery, till the end of June, there was excitement. And then when the players got on the floor, they sucked. And you look at some of the Sixers guys, they were horrible. Meanwhile, there's other dudes, other teams drafting on to, to Cumbo and Kawhi Leonard in the teens and Jimmy Butler at the end of the first round, and these guys are blowing up. You can have all the picks you want. That doesn't matter anything. More people uh, weighing in here. Aaron says, the thing is, the Jazz do have two stars in Mitchell and Gobert, but they also have an extremely solid third player in Bogdanovich and an extremely solid fourth in Ingles. Maybe those two are a bit interchangeable. And then a really good defender and shooter in O'Neal. The, the thing with the multiple stars is, like, okay, you got four good players, but only one of them can have the ball and take the shot. And so if you've got four and they got one, but if their guy is going to score every time down when he's really dialed in, you don't need that four. Yeah, I don't know to that level. He's going to score every time. Yeah, yeah. An exaggeration. Nobody's going to score every well, time yeah, down. I no agree team with is. what he's essentially saying. That's why they're 18 and 4 or whatever it is. Yeah, that that's Since part Joe of the reason. The yeah. And why they've moved from 6 to 
tied for second and why they have an excellent chance like likely to finish second. Yeah, so for sure, yeah, all those things are true. And then we had a guy take a shot at talking college basketball. The amount of time you spent writing this question and then asking it, that alone was too much college basketball. Could be. But when we see Ryland Jones throw a 360 down and break the glass, <laughs> we're talking about it. Okay, that's true. We will if that, <laughs> if that were to happen. If you don't follow college basketball close enough, then you don't realize At how unlikely that is. T-Mobile Arena that second Saturday in March. Okay. <laughs> all right, DJ and PK, we're all done. We'll see you tomorrow from 6 to 10 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.